Welcome to Inspiring Innovation, where your host, Sean Frost, is joined by experts in the manufacturing industry to discuss bringing big ideas to life. Join us every episode for a deep dive into manufacturing trends, processes, innovation, and how to be successful in the ever-changing world of manufacturing. Hello, and welcome to our third episode of Inspiring Innovation. This is coming to you live from our training facility at Monticello. So we've got a nice retired Juki sewing machine behind us that is now used for training. We're really excited to have our director of quality, Dawn Silver, on the show today. And, and she is an expert that we are excited to highlight and, and bring some value to engineers, product designers, global sourcing, VPs. We're excited to be in this space and we appreciate you tuning in to episode three. So go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. And without further ado, we will get to Don Silver. So Don, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. So I know that within the plant, We've got a bit of an Iowa and Iowa State <laughs> rivalry. And so I wanted to ask you kind of, I heard that you're kind of isolated in terms of there's not a ton of Iowa State people here. So that is a correct statement. <laughs> <laughs> I heard there were some events that have taken place and, and that uh, you've got some stories to go along with that rivalry. Sure. So I am Iowa State alumni, go state. I feel like we've grown in recent numbers on the Iowa State side with the newest additions to the product development team. A lot of them are recent graduates as well. So we're growing in numbers inside the Monticello plant. But yes, we have a long-standing history of rivalry. Uh, bets every year, every fall when the Iowa-Iowa State game happens. And I may or may not have lost some bets in the past. <laughs> that resulted in singing on the corner of downtown Monticello with some of my co-workers. Yes. I had to sing the fight song dressed in full Iowa attire because we lost the bet, but it's all in good fun. It was a good time. And I heard it was big news around the area. Yeah. It made the news, made the newspaper. <laughs> it was filmed, but yeah, awesome. it was still a good time. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's a, that's a good segue into your polo story. How long have you been with the company? How did you, how, what were you doing before? And is it true that you got your degree in biology and a master's in science? How does that kind of translate into your work in manufacturing? Yeah, I started with Polo nine years ago, started as the director of quality. So my job responsibilities are to oversee quality systems and regulatory compliance across the entire company. Prior to working for Polo, I worked for a contract sterilization company in the greater Chicagoland area and fulfilling multiple quality roles, very similar to what I do here, right? So helping to implement quality systems, ensuring regulatory compliance. So I did my undergraduate degree at Iowa State University, did receive my degree in biology. And during my sophomore year at Iowa State, I had the opportunity as part of a class I was taking there to go to Roatan, Honduras and study marine environments, marine biology for the week. I received my PADI scuba certification while I was there. So Another fun bit. Absolutely loved it. Enjoyed it thoroughly. And so when I graduated from Iowa State, I decided I want to pursue a degree in marine biology. And so I moved to southeastern Florida, went to graduate school at Nova Southeastern. And while I was going to graduate school, I needed a job, right? Everybody has bills to pay. 
And so I was contacted by a biomedical company to come work in a class five clean room, manufacturing ocular tissue grafts from human tissue, which was pretty fascinating. And so that's really how I got into the manufacturing realm. Eventually I moved into a quality technician role and then eventually an analyst, a quality manager, and then eventually a director role. That is quite the quite the track and story and didn't know Florida interceded with that in, in the marine mm-hmm. biology track. That's very interesting. And sounds like fun yeah. as well. Yep. All right. So we work for a broad set of industries. And, and so that means a lot of different regulatory bodies that we work with. And that can be the FDA, the FAA, different automotive standards. What's similar and what's different about working with those regulatory bodies? And how do you make sure that we're meeting all of our customers' standards across those different industries. I I was just thinking about being, we were just at a aviation customer and they had some canisters and something blew up a long time ago and there were tons of FAA regulations that changed the way that they package those things, that all sorts of things. So I just, I know how they can impact industries and, and so I'm sure that's a lot to lot to keep up on. Yeah, it can be. So the way that the regulations are similar across the different industries that we serve is that from a very broad perspective, regulations ensure compliance, right? So it ensures that our our systems, the products that we manufacture, that it guarantees control over that. And that's that's how they all are the same. Mm-hmm. Now they differ because they're different, they're different industries, right? So different industries, you're you're catering to different products. Again, whether it be a medical device, you mentioned automotive or aerospace, those set of regulations are very specific to those industries. Mm-hmm. And so what can be a challenge as a custom manufacturer is trying to make sure that we're adhering to all the compliances that we need to and trying to in- integrate them into a single quality management system. And I think here at Polo that we do a pretty darn good job of that. And so you ask, you know, how do we make sure we're meeting all those requirements for the customer? So first and foremost is understanding what are the regulations that we have to comply with. Again, we, we serve multiple industries. So it's just understanding what are those regulations? How are we going to meet them? And then the second part is building all of our policies and our procedures, right, to make sure that we are in compliance with them. We document everything thoroughly. We know when changes are happening. So again, it's making sure we have a good change management policy in place to make sure we're keeping that stuff up to date. Third would be training. So once we've gone through, we've updated the policies and the procedures, it's making sure that everybody in the organization, across the entire organization, all levels, understand what are those regulations and how we're complying with them, right? So not only that it's implemented, but that those those regulations are understood. Mm -hmm. And then the last part would be internal assessments, right? We do periodic reviews of our system, from the system level all the way down to the product level. Reevaluating those processes and those products against those set criteria and making sure that we do remain in compliance. And so then at the end of the day, if we carry through all of that stuff and make sure that we remain in compliance for our customers. So mm-hmm. kind of on that same topic, we had a customer that was asking us how we keep up with the REACH and Rojas regulations. And I know that that's something, you know, like seems like the European Union kind of adopts something and then California. And so 
that can be ever changing. And I, I wondered how, how you're keeping current with, with some of those different regulations as well. Yeah, we have a cross-functional team that does it. So it's predominantly supply chain and quality and regulatory that kind of monitors those changes. So we know when the changes or what changes I should say are coming. We typically know when those changes are going to be enforced. And then again, it's having a good change management policy in place that we follow to be sure that we've carried those changes through our quality management system. So whenever I have meetings with your department, we're usually doing some type of QCID or PPAP or PMA audit. And I would like you to just discuss what those different acronyms stand for and how you make sure we pass all those assessments and we're meeting our, the standards of our customers. Yeah. So quality is, I'll say, notoriously known for having a whole slew of acronyms mm-hmm. that we use, especially in cross-functional meetings. Mm-hmm. We actually have a polo glossary that we published a few years ago. <laughs> and I think it currently contains about 194 terms, definitions, and acronyms. So if you ever need some reading material, yeah. I'm happy to share it. Yeah. You know, we maybe we should get like show notes for this podcast <laughs> and post it out there for other manufacturing people. <laughs> but you asked specifically about three and I can touch on those. So you mentioned QCIT, right? Mm-hmm. QCIT is a stands for quality system inspection techniques. It is an inspection method that is utilized by the FDA, so Food and Drug Administration, when they go into a firm and they're inspecting them. Um, it's, it's essentially a top-down approach that they're following. You also asked about PPAP. PPAP is production part approval process, and it was originally adopted by the automotive industry. It since has expanded to other industries, such as aerospace. But it's essentially making sure that the processes used to manufacture a product are able or capable, I should say, of producing in a production environment at a published production rate. And then the last one you mentioned was PMA, pre-market approval. That is also a thorough review that's done by FDA, specific to class three medical devices. And it's just making sure that the devices, the safety and the effectiveness of those devices before they're put to the market for public use. And so you asked, you know, how do we make sure we're successful in all of these? Obviously, we manufacture a class three medical device. So we've been part of that PMA process. We've been through the PMA inspections done, you know, that we were both successful in those endeavors. I think the biggest thing is quality planning early on. So very early on in the design and development phases, we're having those conversations with the customer, you know, understanding what is the intended use of the product. What regulations do we have to meet? What other specific criteria do we need to consider? And it's having those cross-functional reviews and discussions with the customer to just understand, again, what requirements do we have to meet and making sure that we have everything in place before product is launched into manufacturing to be sure that we're successful. All right. So our quality policy is to safely build a quality product on time at a competitive cost. We believe that all employees play a vital role in quality service delivery and performance of our products. Can you expand on our quality management system and how we deliver on that policy for our customers? Sure. So Polo's existing quality management system, the framework of it is really built around two standards and some regulations. So ISO 9001-2015, being the year that the standard was last revised, ISO 9001 is a very generic ISO standard for implementing a quality system across multiple industries. So it doesn't matter if you're a service industry, 
you know, in manufacturing, healthcare, that standard can apply to you. So that's the first standard that our system complies with. The second one is ISO 13485, 2016. Again, 2016 being the year that that standard was last revised. And that standard is unique to medical device. And then the third part of our quality system is kind of built around FDA's quality system regulation part 820, which is also specific to medical device. And so really that is the framework of our quality system. Again, being a custom manufacturer, <laughs> there's multiple industries that we serve. And so there are bits and pieces of aerospace regulations that we incorporate into our quality management system. There's also bits and pieces from automotive, but the framework really isn't built around those. There's just bits and pieces that we, we incorporate in as needed into an integrated quality management system. So we believe that at Polo, everybody belongs in the quality circle, just as you had mentioned. And so our quality management system is built to ensure that our employees are successful in complying with our quality policy. Our entire management staff fully supports the quality policy, and we make sure that that policy is not only implemented, but also that it's understood across all levels of the organization. So I know we, we measure quality in two ways, like the, the different qualifications that our customers have and then the quality management system that you've been speaking a lot to. So can you break down a little bit of how we might look at certain specifications we have on, let's say, a backpack or something like that versus the system and, and checks we might have in place throughout the process or, or some of those types of things? Yeah, so we do, the first way we measure is at the product level. So did we manufacture the product according to the customer specifications, Polo's own internal standards, and again, any regulations that we would have to comply with. And so we do that in various methods. Those may include operator in-process checks on the production floor. It could include quality staff doing a roving inspection on the production floor. It includes product going through our quality control lab, so functional and dimensional testings completed in there. And it also could include, for example, like raw material incoming inspection. So that's all monitoring at the product level. Now at the quality system level, we are basically measuring, does the quality system, is it effective, right? Does it meet the objectives that it's supposed to meet? And so we monitor several things such as customer feedback, customer satisfaction, customer returns and complaints, defective parts per million. We look at internal audit assessments and we're looking at that data to determine, are we fulfilling the objectives as we stated, or are there opportunities that exist for improvement? And I know that one of our corporate goals is a insanely low defective parts per million and you are in your department and this company are crushing that goal. So congratulations, Don. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So can you talk to the different ways that we test our products throughout the product development cycle and then in the different phases of that along with once we go into production? Sure. So as part of the design and development phase, we are meeting regularly with the customer to understand, again, intended use of the product what specifications that we have to meet, and ultimately determining how we're going to test that product in production. So those discussions start very early on. Our preference is to mimic the way that our customers test the product. We want to duplicate that testing in-house. We just want to make sure that there's no measurement discrepancies between the two. So preferred method is to duplicate when possible how they are testing it. So as part of we move through design and development and that handoff into production, we create what's called a master test device sheet. 
Those master test device sheets and inspection specification sheets will detail exactly how we're going to inspect a product and test it in production, as well as it tells us at what frequency. At Polo, we utilize various testing methods for testing product in production. We have a dedicated quality staff that does testing in a lab, and we have that staffed in each one of our manufacturing locations. So various testing methods that we utilize, just to name a few, would be tensile testing. So tensile testing, we are cutting a specimen 90 degrees perpendicular to a seal and we are separating that specimen in the jaws of a tensile tester, and we're looking at how does that specimen separate, right? Does it fully peel apart, which would imply a not a good seal, or does the specimen break next to the seal weld, which would imply that the, the seal is stronger than the virgin material, which implies a good seal. Uh, we do pressure decay testing, where we're inflating a product between two compression plates, right? So that inflation is restricted, putting the force to the seal, and we're measuring that drop in pressure. We also do air inflation testing like water dip method where we mostly use that for diagnostic testing, but again, we're looking to bubbles form underneath the water, which would imply a leak. We also do air inflation, air burst testing, which is inflating that product unrestricted to the point that it would burst. And we wanna, what we wanna see in that is that the product, the virgin material itself is what separates versus the seal. And so we utilize different testing methods specific to that product. Other test methods that we may use could include a fitment check. So we manufacture for a lot of different OEMs and a lot of times that OEM part that they are actually manufacturing, we're, we are making a case or some type of product, a component that supplements that. And so many times we'll take that OEM part and we're using it for, for a fitment check, right? Does the case fit the part appropriately as it should? Other test methods that we do could include like dimensional analysis. So we're taking dimensions, first articles, and providing that information back to the customer as evidence that we are conforming. With, with some of those case tests, I think I've been in part of the PD discussions sometimes where they're talking about like shape tests and different weight on the, on the cases and, and things like that as well. Is there any other types of testing that we, we do for those for that particular type of product? We do. And again, it all comes down to the product itself, right? What are the customer expectations for how that product is going to be tested? If there's something that we can't do in-house at Polo, we have multiple partnerships with outside labs that we partner with to do, for example, you mentioned like the shape testing and things like that. We, we absolutely could send those out to one of our partner labs and have that testing completed outside. Awesome. Thank you. What are some of your tips for success in the manufacturing field? The first and foremost, I would stress is quality planning. I don't think that you can stress that enough, right? So truly looking at where risks exist, where opportunities exist and doing everything possible to try to mitigate those is essential to any organization. So quality planning throughout the entire organization should be a cross-functional review um, and again, just trying to identify where do discrepancies, where do deficiencies, where do errors exist, and, and then doing everything possible to try to eliminate those. My team always jokes, I always say operator error does not exist. Mm -hmm. um, typically, mm -hmm. if something is attributed to an operator, right, there's a deeper reason why that issue occurred. Perhaps it's a training issue, training materials weren't understood, or maybe the presentation in which the training materials were presented wasn't understood. 
It's always digging deeper to truly identify those issues is critical. The second thing I would say is driving continuous improvement. So identifying where deficiencies or errors occur in your system and truly digging deep to the root cause to eliminate or mitigate those is absolutely critical. I always joke with my team that operator error doesn't exist. So if there is a deficiency identified through operator error, it's usually deeper than that. It's usually perhaps somebody wasn't trained properly. Maybe they didn't understand the presentation and the training materials when they were presented to them. So it's just making sure that you do your due diligence and you dig deep enough to truly identify those root causes and then doing everything possible to eliminate them, whether it's fixturing, pokey yoking, just making sure that that process is truly in control is critical. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I would say is retention of associates. Unless your systems rely on robotics or automation, your employees are your most valuable asset in any organization. The amount of time spent onboarding and nurturing that development in an employee is absolutely critical. And it can be costly to an organization to have to completely redo that over and over with turnover. I always say at Polo that we are blessed with the best. We have associates that have been here for 45 years. And I would say that that is unheard of in most organizations. So it's great that we've been able to retain and help develop those individuals. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I know just going around the plan, I see from job to career. I see that different initiatives that we are doing to really try to develop our associates and support them so that they can be successful here and and we definitely feel like that at Polo, where if you take care of the customers and the associates, just about everything else takes care of itself. So Agreed. That's really well said, Don. So what do you envision for the future of quality at Polo Custom Products in the industry at large? I think that we are going to continue to grow and expand. Again, being a custom manufacturer, we have the opportunities to see many different products from OEMs across many different industries. So I think that we are going to grow in that base, just adding on additional regulations and different capabilities to meet the requirements for our customers. The second biggest thing, advancement is in technology. The big buzzwords, AI lately, things like that. I think that that is going to play a huge role in our future. We are obviously taking a huge initi initiative right now as part of our paperless project. And I think it's only going to continue to go from there, whether that be, you know, automation, you know, this may be many years down the road. Again, I see AI potentially playing a role in where we reach a process, a system identifies an issue, a quality issue, and perhaps it's AI that helps to make that decision. How do we fix it? Right. So I think technology is going to be our biggest advancement. That's a really great point. I know going to like, our, our bill of manufacturing going to a digital version and having video aids to help our associates see exactly what that step looks like has been helpful and well-received already. And so I think that is definitely a, a cool, cool initiative that we've undertake, undertaken and that has some real potential to help improve our processes. But I also see a lot, I mean, with sensors and things like that in the manufacturing space where we've visited with customers that have, you know, different light sensors that are measuring hand movements. And so it's an exciting time in the industry. I've seen a lot of talk of you know, manufacturing 4.0 and, and different kind of technology based initiatives. So I think that's 
that really rings true with where where the industry is going. So. Yeah, I would agree. I think predictive measuring is going to be a big thing as well with technology, right? So again, we have preventative that already exists, right? We take actions ahead of something to prevent it from ever happening. But I think with technology, we can use use that also as a predictive measurement, right? So we know exactly when that's going to occur. And then it's taking preventive measures even before that. Well, it's been it's been a treat having you on. And, and we really appreciate you, the leadership that you bring to our quality team, the results that you have for our customers and and some really important products that cannot afford to fail. So you do really important work and it's a lot of pressure and you do an amazing job doing it. So thank, thank you, you. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for the opportunity today. It was Absolutely. fun chatting. Thank you for joining us again on the Inspiring Innovation Podcast. And we're really looking forward to bringing the supply chain director on for our next episode. So tune in next month. It's the second Tuesday of every month. and please like and subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate you listening and we hope that you're finding some value and learning from different components of what makes manufacturing tick today. 